welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and with me today, Mr. Jacob. Can I call you Jacob? Is it okay? Sure, you already did. So. Right. <laughs> we'll Jake White. Jake in all caps. Jake White. And Caleb Hitt. Welcome, Caleb. Thank you. It's been a long time. Yeah. yeah, glad you're here today. And just a, just kind of a brief, uh, bring him into the uh, spotlight for a moment before we send him back into the darkness. Um, it's uh, Austin Lambert. Yes, my first and last appearance on that, screen. That's right. We have him in the podcast. Uh, that's, that's that's amazing. Normally, uh, normally he is making everything go well. In, in the unedited versions, uh, he is uh, there all the time. You hear him. You hear him. You don't see him. But uh, but today, uh, Austin is going to leave us to go to Orlando, uh, so we thought yes. we'd, we'd drag him in here. And, and, uh, and we don't know, because we don't know what kind of person you're going to come back. You've never done this before. Yeah. You, you've never gone to Orlando I'm gonna come ba- I'm going to come back. I'm going to be, I'm going to be so tan. <laughs> like, I was more talking and... about how we don't know what God's going to do to you uh, more than. <laughs> no, this, I know that's what you were talking about, but I decided when I, when to go for I, I decided to go for a sun, joke I, I, answer. I'm at the S-O-N sun kind of thing. Yeah. See, I decided to go for a joke answer because there's That's no right. way I'm coming back more tan than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's Maybe true. your hair pale, will be redder. Pale is a thing. Yeah. I wish that were the case. If anything, it'll be less red because of the sun bleach. So you've got Sarah, who's a redhead, and Evan, who's a redhead, and you, who's a redhead, mm-hmm. and then Dylan is dying his hair red, as I understand, to go... No, I'm kidding. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. That. But like fire truck red, okay. not like oh, my good, red. Good, okay, good, good. Um, awesome, good deal. Well, we're excited about you going down there, and uh, I'm excited, excited too. Yeah, and so look forward to seeing what weirdness comes back, and and really not knowing what to expect. So, uh, so you still, we're, our hope is that you're still helping with the podcast while you're there. Yes, but, but we don't. We're we're yeah. We're also holding out that it could be a lot more than what you anticipate. Yeah. yeah. So well, okay. my plan. Because I can't help live, but my plan is to still edit and upload everything. But yeah. there's a chance that that doesn't work out. Yeah. Because we have, because really we don't know what how much time it's going to consume when you get right. there. So, so we're prepared. We're well, prepared. I but some people who are going I know are taking summer classes, and so they're bringing their computers down to do homework oh, and okay. stuff. So I assume I'll at least it doesn't take long to since you're not doing do that the edit stuff right. you're not doing right. summer classes right no okay good i haven't taken a class since 2020 <laughs> that's right i haven't either i don't think yeah <laughs> so how about that yeah, maybe maybe i have i can't remember it's it's all foggy um but anyway we're excited about today we are looking at uh, we we've been away for a little bit but uh, we're coming back with a fervor we're we're doing second samuel uh we are hitting on the proverb proverb 16 we spent some time looking at uh, the amazing wonder of wisdom that is in proverbs uh and the gospel of john um caleb's going to take a, a look at the woman at the woman at the well and uh, we're going to spend some time talking about that and also uh, just uh, some other things that uh, just uh, God reveals. Uh, Jake has some amazing insights from Proverbs 16 that I'm looking forward to listening to. All that is ahead, um, and we still lack a commercial sponsor, but uh, we will be back with all of it in just a moment. We are back at the Understanding Jesus podcast, and we are going to take a moment to share what we learned in our Bible reading 
this week. Uh, some amazing passages that stood out to uh, you know. Anytime you're in Second Samuel and the Gospel of John, Psalms and Proverbs are always good. But uh, but the Gospel of John and Second Samuel are there is a lot. There no there are no boring chapters in those sections. So so Jake, if you come up with something boring, then. <laughs> <laughs> you've That's thrown, my only goal at this point, my, is to find something you, boring. You've thrown story. off my whole <laughs> thesis here. So anyway, what what uh, share with us what stood out to you this week? Well, I was going to start in Proverbs 16, and this is verses 1 through 9. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Uh, All of Proverbs, I mean, you could spend your whole life in just Proverbs. And always find new things. But for me, I really thought that this was a beautiful uh, just section of scripture talking about the plans of man's heart and how really everything we do is wicked and deceitful, prideful, Mm. and that God's plans are always sovereign. And as a person that's just graduated college, there's a lot of that ambiguity of life of what is happening and uh, it's always easy to just do what you want to do and to not take time to really think about what is the Word of God saying about what we're called to do and how have other people failed you know, to follow in what we're called. So I thought that that was kind of one of the sections of all of the things that, that really stuck out to me, and that kind of goes with but I'll talk about a little bit later with Second Samuel. Mm, very good. Yeah, I do think that uh, you know a lot of times when we read Proverbs, usually one verse, two verses is sufficient. I'm glad you read through that whole section because it really does have to. It demonstrates how God knows our heart, uh, and we do not know our heart. I think that's you know our hearts are deceitful. And that's one thing that comes out in Proverbs over and over again is how deceitful our human hearts are. We get this idea in our minds that uh, we've, I think we've figured ourselves out. Um, and, and we'll say things like, I know him, he's a good person. And it's usually, uh, <laughs> but then you also watch the news and it's like this serial killer and they talk to his neighbors like, we always thought he was a really good guy. You know, it always talks these wonderful things about him. And we're kind of shocked that uh, nobody goes, yeah, he was a serial killer all, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> yeah, even his mom's like, yeah, I always knew he was going to be a serial killer. But uh, the but that's because we are deceived. We right. we look at things that uh, we kind of mask what's really going on inside of us, even to ourselves. We kind of don't look at dark places in us, but God, he knows what's in our hearts. And so when he says our hearts are bad, um, he knows what he's talking about, which is the reason why we need a new heart. And I think it always sets the stage for the gospel. I, I think when we read through the, anything, especially Proverbs and in the Old Testament, because you should get to a point where you're like, hmm, I'm not a good person. <laughs> 
and yeah. it should uh, make us desire or make us we always need to realize our need for a savior so it should always drive us to the gospel thanks thank you jake you're so welcome. I'm, I'm so glad you're Jake. I'm so it's... glad you're here today. That's right. <laughs> All right. And Caleb is here after a t- after taking two years off and not being not one. Of, he he yeah. boycotted the podcast for a long period of time. Yeah, I only read the Bible once every other year. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so he said, when you get back to where, the part I've read, <laughs> then invite me back again. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. What what's to you, Caleb? Uh, I'm also going to be sticking in Proverbs. So, okay. Sorry. Um, but a little bit later, um, in the chapter in 16, uh, verses 18 through 23 is where I'll be sticking around. Um, and it starts by saying, "Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall." Is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. So that first, like that verse eighteen, about just like pride goes before destruction. Like every time, um, we always hear and um, talk about pride as being one of the three like root sins, and I think this is a good illustration of that. That before destruction comes, before sin comes, pride is already present, um, and that is kind of what sets the rest of that off. And then in that verse twenty, um, it kind of says how you can um, combat that and counter that. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blesses he who trusts in the Lord, because that is um, the opposite of being prideful. Mm. Giving thought to the word, focusing on that. Um, and basing everything you do off of that, that will lead to good, where otherwise you'll just be leading to destruction. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm going to look at John chapter 5. And um, in John chapter 5, you have um, this um, Jesus healing this person, and uh, there's a, a pool that's there where people... Uh, wait. Uh, the story was is that the angel would come along and stir it, and then the first one into the pool would be healed. And so Jesus sees this man who's been waiting here, and he heals the man. Um, and then he takes up his bed and leaves. And then the Pharisees confront him because they're like, "Why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath day?" And then so he has this encounter uh, with them. It, it it kind of sounds like, or kind of looks like, that the guy is saying, "Hey, I'm not at fault here." Uh, it was Jesus' fault uh, for telling me to do this, and so kind of throwing the blame there. Um, and in John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing uh, come upon you. And uh, and this it kind of goes back and forth. Some people wonder if Jesus was kind of like tongue-in-cheek, kind of like uh, you know the Pharisees, don't be like them. Obviously, they're a bunch of uh, whatever. And uh, And they... Uh, but uh, but the other thought is is that Jesus was saying, hey, you need to be careful because if you are, even though you, you've been made well, but now you're at a critical point of deciding where direction you're going to go. And, and the reason why I lean in that is because of what he says later in verse 22. He says, for the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son, that all that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. 
and uh, and whether or not you know taking always remembering that John is writing this for us for the church and is sharing the story for a reason and he's and it's very it's actually very th- th- that makes the warning of Jesus very jarring it's like i have it's like when you pray and say god if you'll heal me get me out of this situation fix my car lower my taxes find me that job help me find a wife whatever the prayer is we then make a deal like then i will serve you or i'll be faithful to you or i'll honor you and and whatever and uh and then we get that which we are seeking and it's like eh, i'm not really as interested in and 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 i got i got other plans i got things i wanted to do i'll get to that later uh this that's where that warning this this is where that warning comes in he's like look um when i answer prayers i i, I do that for everybody i it rains on the just and the unjust i bring blessing into people's lives and i but it the blessing doesn't mean anything if you don't get the message behind it that i am the one who has the power to bless you eternally or the power to judge you and uh, and you being made well or improving your life in this in this world is so momentary. It's just like that's that's such a a small thing. Um, and and we are. It, <laughs> there's this video that goes around. Um, it's kind of a viral thing, but uh, but it's like a guy who's pulling sheep out of a ditch. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Well, I'll send it to you then when I get the opportunity. But anyway, he's uh, he's like this. Di- I mean, it's like a little, like a two foot wide little trench, and the sheep is inside of it. And it's got this guy. He's pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And he finally wrestles the sheep out of it, and the sheep bounces up, and he takes off running, and then jumps, and it falls right back. <laughs> and it's like, there we are. That's that is us in a nutshell. It's such a great illustration for us. That uh, that we are get stuck in a place, and we all we can think of is I just want to get free, I just want to get free, I just want to get free, and then we're set free, and then we go right back into the same ditch that we got out of. And uh, and Jesus is, you know, it, it's remembering this is not about us having a better life here. Right. It's about understanding that this life is not what life is about. That Jesus is offering another life, and that is where our focus needs to be. And in order to focus on that, we shouldn't focus on this life at all. We should focus on Him, which is why He says that when he says things like you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, that's us recognizing, oh, I don't really need this life. In fact, everything about this life is going to lead to some something bad. So I just need to forsake this life and embrace the life that Jesus has for me. So. I know that, that the verse that's like, do you want to be healed and or do you want to be made well in mm-hmm. other translations? When I was younger, I was, I was like, why would you not? You know, I was like, yeah. literally, like, of course you want to be healed. You're, you can't, you know, all the stuff. And and then just that whole idea of, well, once that happens, you have to make this critical decision that's like, yeah. you can't stay where you are anymore. Right. And I think people in general forget that too nowadays because yeah. you say that you're a Christian and then you keep kind of just doing what you're doing and there's not really – a difference, and I know that this isn't necessarily saying that exactly, but I think it's a, yeah. a good illustration. But he says it elsewhere. He says, you know, there was a place where where a demon was, and the demon was cast out, and then uh, and then uh, the house was swept clean and put in order, and then seven more come back where you know the, where there was previously one, and mm-hmm. and he said so. The state of the man at the end was worse than the beginning, and and it's like that's this kind of what you are you're looking at is it's yeah if you you know, once once you've been made well, once I've cleaned everything up, now if you don't fill your life with the Spirit of God, 
then evil is going to come back and it's going to be worse for you in the end than it is right now. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Back to you, Jake. Okay. I'm moving on to second Samuel. And, uh, one of the things as, as you see, and I'll, a little bit that's kind of interesting to me, just this whole, this whole narrative with David and after his escape with Saul and all of the drama of the previous books. Um, it's so interesting to me when they get to this part, when at the very, very beginning of the book, mm. after all of this word is spread that their people were killed right. and that Saul is dead, there was just this weeping. And I know that Jonathan died too, and so it wasn't necessarily he was just yeah. lamenting over Saul. But when you think of these enemies that are dying, you yeah. don't. your first thought is not, oh, like, I'm so sad for them. At right. least mine is not, and maybe that's just because I'm a horrible person. But um, you don't have to agree. <laughs> I, was, I, was <laughs> I, <saw> <laughs> I was careful. I was careful. So kind of through that, after all those battles, Second um, Samuel chapter 10, verses 9 through 13 is kind of what I'm focusing on. And it says, When Joab saw that the battle was set against him both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in the charges of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage, and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God, and may the Lord do what seems good to him. So I know that you have to be careful when you read scriptures that it's not just because you see it. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily about you because that's not what scripture is for. It's not about you. That's not what it's for. Um, But what is interesting to me is that same idea of their courage and saying it's whatever seems good to God. And it Mm -hmm. has nothing to do like we know that he's going to win this battle. We know that we're not going to be hurt. He's simply saying – this is what we're doing. We're going to do our best to make sure that we're doing what God has entrusted us with. But ultimately, we're just trusting in him to take care of things and follow his plan because we know that he's going to follow his plan. And uh, that that really goes with exactly what that proverb said as well, where, you know, my ways are, are failures and I, I, I can't see all things knowing, recognizing that God is all knowing and his plan is ultimately sovereign. And just remembering, you know, all the battles and the things that he had brought them out of already. And right. instead of just like, you know, oh, well, he got us out of that, but this is a new thing. So let's worry about this and really remembering what God had done for them. Mm. Very good. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm just going to let that lay. Let, let that stay there. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- yeah. I think with that, a lot of times we kind of just assume that we know what like god's best is Mm. like what would be best based on like past experiences like you were saying like um we would assume like oh god's gonna get me through this battle this struggle because that would be best but in reality the best thing could be for us to go through it Mm. and to suffer and like Mm. experience like trials and tragedy through that And, Um, and joshua had that when the angel of the lord came 
And Joshua's going into the battle, and he's like, are you on their side or are you on our side? And the angel of the Lord was kind of like, I'm not on anybody's side. And uh, I remember a preacher one time would say, he said, when God shows up, he doesn't take sides. He comes to take over. And, uh, and, and that's, it's always important to remember that this is not, that he isn't uh, in any battle on our side. Um, it's, he does what he does. He says, be, you need to be on my side. And, uh, and that's, and that's what you're trying to look at. And, and, and uh, I don't, we've talked about experiencing God before. One of the things Henry Blackaby points out in experiencing God is that, uh, that's why we look and see what God is doing and we join him in the work that he's doing, not try to get him to come and bless the work that we are doing because our work doesn't mean anything. We're really trying to figure out what God's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Very good. All right, Caleb, your turn again. All right. Um, I'm going to spend some time in John chapter 4 um, with the woman at the well. So it's a pretty well-known passage. No pun intended. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but whenever I was reading this, I realized that I, and this might be common knowledge for some people, but I did not know how a well actually worked. Hmm. And... Um, so I looked it up on Google like you do, and um, <laughs> so you might already know this, but like, so you just drill a hole, and there's water underground, and then you just send down a bucket, and you pick it up, and it's there. But like, the more you use it, the deeper you have to drill mm. so that you can keep getting water because it doesn't replenish. I mean, it depends how much you're using the well. The more you use it. Right. Um the less time it has to replenish. Um, but whenever Jesus is saying that, you know, he has this well and like it never runs dry, he like provides this eternal satisfaction. Mm. Um, like it doesn't have to take time to replenish. Like his word is sufficient for forever um, and for all people. So that like seeing that like analogy, um, that was like the first time I really thought about it like that. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Because you've been spoiled by running water is what it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, Which is good. I, I didn't have to know how a well worked. <laughs> but now I, I do. Um, yeah. And then one other part that I found interesting was, um, so in verse 25, it says that, the Samaritan woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Mm. Um, but a little bit before that, Jesus was telling this woman like he knew everything about her. Mm-hmm. He um, like was aware of the sin in her life and all these things. And I mean, it, it showed a lot about like the modern Christian, how it's the exact same thing. We have a bunch of sin in our life and we're thinking like, well, I know that Christ is going to come one day, but he's not like here right now. So it makes us feel like we don't have to fix those things in our life. Um, but like, yeah, this woman knew that a Messiah was coming, mm. but she was just going to wait um, and let all that other stuff in her life just kind of sit and and still be present. Yeah. Uh, is one of my favorite stories in the Bible uh, because it is um, one one of the greatest examples of evangelism we have and Jesus doing it himself, which is just great because he goes he purposefully goes to a place that he wouldn't normally go mm-hmm. and and to a land that is uh, that a lot of Jewish people wouldn't travel to in Samaria 
And then you have this woman who is breaks all the code that the, that he has to follow, and um, and the disciples and the disciples are going to get food, uh, and Jesus doesn't go to get food, and then uses that to show that the that, that we are more than food, you know, and that showed that this is that the bread of life really is about um, about doing the will of God. Um, but uh, but seen into this woman's life, and then she becomes an evangelist. I mean, she's converted, and then goes and shares what happens to her with the other people, and then they are come to Christ, and then they come, and and then they say, now we don't just know because of what you told us, we know because we've experienced ourselves, which so so much is happening, and all of that that uh, is is what is duplicated over and over again when we share the gospel with people. Our, our hope is is that they grow beyond that which we have shared and then come and experience it for themselves. And now they know because of their own connection to Christ, not just because of the things we say to them. Um, but, uh, but the thing that, uh, you know, you have this, this, um, this woman who is uh, believing, and this goes all the way back to when the kingdom was divided. And you had, uh, when people felt, followed Jeroboam, he instituted a new holy site. Um, and, uh, and so you had Solomon's temple who the people of Israel are no longer coming back to, and they have their own sacrificial system and they really warp and distort, uh, all the Judea, all, all the law and, uh, and come up with new ways, new ways of understanding priests and so forth. And that just carries over as the tribes are lost when they go into, um, um, into Assyria and the Assyrians force them to intermarry to kind of destroy their culture and so forth. And so so that's why they were not respected by the Jewish people, because the Jewish people had tried to maintain their bloodlines, whereas the northern kingdom did not. And and so um, and and created another, a, a, like I said, a perversion of uh, Judaism. I, and and so Jesus, so she's basically saying, yeah, you guys do what you do, we do what we do, and whatever. But yet she's not even following <laughs> by anywhere near the close practice. She's she is even. Uh, a de- looked down upon with their own people, and uh, and that's and, and and this is such an evangelical encounter that we have. It's like when you knock on somebody's door and say, hey, "I'm from the Baptist Church." They go, "Well, I'm Methodist, so whatever," you know. <laughs> and even though they haven't been in the Methodist Church in like 50 years, uh, that they say that because they're like, "Yeah, you're different, so whatever." And and it shows you that people don't need a Baptist church. They don't need they don't need the Methodist church to come back and say, "Oh, you said you're a Methodist." What they need is they need something. They need Jesus, and so Jesus is saying, "Hey, you know, I am bringing something that is not from my tradition. It's not from your tradition. I'm bringing a whole new way of worship." And uh, and the crazy part is, two thousand years later, that's still the conversation we're having. You know, it's not, this isn't about your traditional worship practice. This isn't about my traditional worship practice. This is about discovering Jesus and you for the first time and uh, and how amazing he is and awesome and so forth. And it's such a, um, and and it changes her. And I mean, to to the point where she's, she has this awful life. And she, yes, she goes, I, I, you know, she see, her eyes are open and she sees something and the disciples miss it. They're so clueless. And uh, which, which is, tells me that's kind of me that's where i fit in the story i'm the clueless one over to the side but uh but then she uh but then she empowered goes and shares herself which is just so liberating for women you know and i mean what a great story for women in the bible and and just uh and showing that that this is a 
that Jesus, that's what Jesus does. He liberates people, he sets them free, and gives them, empowers them with the power of the gospel uh, to share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and I, um, and I, I just, yeah, it, it, like, it, it circumvents all of the, the stuff we bring in to hinder people from coming to know Christ. So that's a great passage. I, I, yeah, I'm glad you took it, but I'm, I hijacked it a little bit there for you. <laughs> Um, I want to close out with uh, something from Second Samuel chapter seven. Um, it says, "Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David." This is God talking to the prophet Nathan. Thus says the Lord of hosts: I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover. I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers. I will set you uh, set um, up your seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish um, his kingdom. Now, it's a reminder to David. David was wanting to build uh, a place for the ark. He wanted to build a temple. And God comes to him and says, um, you're wanting to establish a place for me. He says, but you understand, you don't establish me. I establish you. Uh, I, I still see you as you are. You you think you've become, you know, you're this king now, and you got all these people around you who basically worship you and and uh, and who do everything you say and so forth, and 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 you're trying to do something good for me. But the reality is, I don't need you to do something good for me. I do all good for you. It, this 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 happens when we get affluence or money or whatever. Uh, we go from being a person who has to beg God. <laughs> For, you know, it's like, it reminds me when I was in college, you know, you're praying, God, please just give me change to buy graham crackers or something to eat for something to have tuna fish or something, a can of tuna fish. And then you get to a place where you first start making money and so forth. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to give something to God. I'm going to give God a little something, something, you know, to really bless him and do something amazing. And and it's like God's going, oh, wow, thank goodness you're making money now. Now I, now I can, now I'm going to be okay. It's like God in heaven going, finally the church can do something because now you, you're tithing and uh, as if he needs our resources or whatever. Uh, I remember a guy who would give a gift to our church every year of several thousand dollars. He never went to church. He never came to worship or whatever. But it was like, hey, you know, just to buy my way into heaven, I'm going to give this, a few thousand dollars to you. As if God was going, whoo. So glad he came through because, wow, what would we do without that? Um, it's like when people say, if I won the lottery, I will tithe it. Um, as if God's going, okay, that will that excuses your desire to gamble. Uh, so Because if you'll give me a cut, then I'm all in. Um, and, and we don't remember, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need, I mean, no resources. Never mistake any preacher who who acts like he needs something and wants you to give a little bit of money. He may need money, but God doesn't need any money or resources in order to do what he does. Uh, and and the world has it so upside down. And But we do that. We all twist it upside down. We all get into this mindset that we are helping God out as if I'm saying, you know, I'm I like uh, like if you say, well, we need an evangelism campaign. It's like, oh. Uh, 
I guess on maybe a Saturday I can give that and do something as if God is in heaven going, whoa, please, could you, would you do that for me? Because that would be really so helpful if you give me one Saturday out of the year to really help. Keith Green used to say um, that, uh, you know, he'd always say that, uh, you know, people come say, I'm I'm coming. I'm glad I can do some Sundays and Wednesdays. And Keith Green would say, well, and God's answer is, if you can't come to me every day, don't bother coming at all. And uh, and and people be like, oh, you know, what do you mean by that? We don't say that to people because what if they don't come at all? As if God is in heaven going, wow, if people stop coming to church, how are we? How am I going to get all this done? And uh, and the reality is, uh, hear me. This is what he's saying to David. I don't need you. I don't need anything from you. I don't need you to establish me. I establish you. I'm the one. Are you forgetting that air you're breathing? I provide that air. The earth that you are enjoying, I am providing that earth. I am the one who is made. You are nothing. You can't. All the work that you accomplish and so forth. And it's like, well, what about the iPhone? I was like, there's no, there's no iPhone. My grandson said that the other day. He's like, um, uh, and he's nine. And he gets this. Uh, he said, uh, you know, he's looking at the buildings and so forth. He was saying, um, you know, God made all the buildings. And, and. I think my wife said something like, well, God made the nature or whatever. You know, men build buildings, but God makes mountains and so forth. And my grandson was like, yeah, but God makes the men who makes the buildings. He gives them the ability to make the buildings. And it's like, well, it's very insightful uh, <laughs> because that's true. It's like we don't have uh, talents, skills, abilities. Those all come from God, too. And that's and that's really what he's saying. He's saying that uh, that unless he unless he desires you know the the cures the cures to diseases medications all the things that people come up with god is the one who ordains that he's the one who made you gave you your brain gave you your ability this insight and so forth and whenever we get proud of ourselves he just has to pull back just a little bit i look at the coronavirus and i think look at how everybody just fell apart dramatically like what do we do what do we do we do run around crazy like how do we respond and making tons of mistakes and so forth and that's just god going you were getting a little bit confident there. You're a little bit cocky in your own abilities and so forth, and 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 that's just like a like a little push in that direction. And and you want people to say, what if we had coronaviruses, a new coronavirus every day, all over the world, all the time? You know, it's like, well, we couldn't make it, we couldn't survive. And that's what God's one is. That's what God is trying to say to us. You're right. <laughs> you can't survive unless I keep these things at bay, unless I sustain this order, and you are thinking that you have the ability to protect yourselves and keep all these things, but no, you don't have the ability. And you should be afraid. You should be terrified of what death can do and what the world falling apart and, and all these different destructions that can come upon you. You should be terrified all the time. And that's what, and then seek me. That should be the response to that. But the the reality is, is back in David's day and in our day too, that people don't turn to the Lord; they turn everywhere else but the Lord. But, um, but that's why we—that's why the church has a message. So we still have a very relevant message, and the message is, is that there's hope in Christ. That uh, that at some point, God is going to lift off His hand, and He's going to let the world implode, and He's going to let the world uh, destroy itself. And when it does, then it's like we—it's like you better know, you better know the way out of this world have a ticket on that lifeboat yeah so anyway thank you guys very much for sharing we're gonna come back and do some questions 
here in just a bit. So uh, stay with us. Uh, if we had sponsors, they would be right in the spot right now. But nobody sponsors us. Custom Cuts and Crafts. Uh, I'll try to try. And now a word from Custom Cuts and Crafts. We are now entering into our question and answer segment of the Understanding Jesus podcast. And so, Jake, we will let you go first. All right. So my question comes from the Gospel of John. Through John, uh, he writes several things about living water and eating the bread of life. And right. my question is coming from chapter 6, mm-hmm. and it is verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So, can you talk about why Jesus would have worded it this way and what kind of effect that would have had on the Jewish people at that time? Yeah, there were several times Jesus would say things like this where it would um, frustrate the disciples a little bit because they're like, why are you talking like this? This is making it more difficult for people to um, to be um, connected to you. and. Um, but there, but there's multiple things that are going on when he's when he's making these statements of I am the bread of life, I am uh, the living water. Um, those are we call those the I am statements in John and, and the Gospel of John. Uh, there are seven significant I am statements, but he makes multiple, uh, makes more than that. But but we call them the I am statements because there are moments where he clearly references himself as Yahweh, which is that's where the word I am. The name for God comes in the Old Testament from where he says to uh, Moses when people ask who sent me and who God is and what's his name, what am I to tell them? And God says, I am that I am. Well, the word for that is Yahweh and really just the letters Y-H-W-H. We don't have the vowels and they think that the in Hebrew they took out the vowels so that people could not enunciate it. Um, today we we do. Uh, but <laughs> And so they would have Adonai which would mean the Lord and so forth. So they had a word to describe God, but then they had this name for God that could not be spoken. And um, and so, uh, being the good Gentile I am, I, you know, we say Yahweh all the time. But the um, but the uh, but Jesus then takes this and and inserts it into, like I said, these I am statements to that Jewish people would clearly see. He's saying that he is God. In fact, all the way up until when he's arrested. And um, um, and then he um, and that he's uh, well. There's a there's a point where he's saying before before uh, Abraham was I am, and he which was a clear thing. But then he when they come to him, uh, he says they said you know where's Jesus and who is Jesus and he says I am, and they all fall backwards and so forth and him uttering this. Um, and so the force of him just proclaiming himself to be God. Anyway, all these all these. All these things of him saying, I, like I said, I am the bread of life and so forth. He's saying, I am God. And then to say that if you don't eat my flesh, drink my blood, basically saying if you don't have me inside of you, um, then you are not going to be changed. You are not made new. That I am the food that you're looking for. The, when he has that encounter, which we talked about earlier about with a Samaritan woman and, and saying that what you really need is you need living water. You, and she's like, well, you don't even have a bucket. How are you going to provide me living water? And he's basically saying, I am the water that you're looking for. 
and uh, and when the disciples come and say, uh, you know, do you need some food? And he says, I have food that you don't know of. Um, basically, saying trying to get people to understand what makes us alive is not the bread, physical bread that we are eating, not the physical drink that we are drinking, but it is the Spirit of God that sustains us, that makes us new. When we take of communion, we are remembering when we partake of the bread that it's not um, it's not the bread that keeps us alive, and especially if you're eating those little tiny squares of wafers, you surely know that you can't be sustained by that for very long. Um, and drink this little shot glass of of juice uh, when you when you when you do that, you're remembering, oh, it is not bread that keeps me alive. It is not the fruit of the vine that keeps me from being thirsty, but it is Jesus himself. I remember that Jesus is the source of my sustenance, that he is who makes me alive and keeps me. And and so that and it and and the uh, the idea of ingesting that, getting that deep into the my bowels, uh, is is internalizing that truth, and that is what uh, what keeps me alive. Um, Jesus would use language like this though, to to trip people up, to make them see how you are focused on uh, material, you are focused on what is in front of you, and and remember when he was in the boat with his disciples, and he'd say the leaven of the Pharisees and so forth, and when he said that, said, oh, he must be talking about the fact that we were talking about bread, and he's like, are you still not getting it? I fed the five thousand, I fed the four thousand, and you're still trying to think of, you're still thinking of food, you know. It reminds me of the hobbits. Uh, I'm so glad. Are you? Have you read the little? Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm so used to Josh Humphreys. Josh, if you're listening. Man, I'm not. We're not glad that you're gone, but <laughs> but but it is one of those things that every time we make a Lord of the Rings reference, you go look like oh, here's another one. But but the hobbits, you know, when they're when they're walking through the wilderness and uh, and with uh, Aragorn, and they, all they can think about is when are we going to eat again? <laughs> you know, is it time for is it time for lunch or, or second breakfast? Yeah, exactly. Eleven <laughs> Z's, exactly. And so. Uh, and that's and that's us. That's us. we're all we think of is as, as when's our next meal coming? When are we going to eat again? And Jesus is constantly trying to show, do you not get it that for all eternity, I'm the one who sustains you. You don't have to. He's showing that all, everything in the, in the Old Testament. That's that's where manna and, and he and he connects that with manna. That the the manna in the wilderness is God just saying, I, I can't. You, all this comes from me. If it's like, how are we going to eat if we don't have food to grow, you know, and, and have crops and all these different things. And God's like, you know, I'm, I'm the one who provides all of this all the time. Yeah. And, um, and so that's, that's where he's, where he's saying with this, that unless you, unless you learn that I am the one who sustains you, um, literally meaning the word I am, uh, then you, um, then you are, you're lost. You, you don't understand it. I, I make this illustration all the time about worry because it's like nobody ever says i am so worried about where i'm going to live after i die uh, or they don't, nobody comes to me and says i pastor i'm really stressed out i after i die i don't know how i'm going to eat i don't know where i'm going to get food i'm going to have many money i'm i'm obviously i'm what am i going to do how am i going to what am i going to do for a living after i'm dead uh, nobody ever <laughs> nobody ever comes to those questions and if you ask them say why aren't you concerned about that? They go, oh, well, God is going to provide all that. It's like, 
well, what God are you talking about? The same God we were talking about today? Is he going to change? Does he have a different bank account? Does he does he have another a different well to draw from after you're dead? It's like that same God who you're thinking is going to take care of everything then, he's the same God who takes care of you today. Yeah. And so that's uh, that's why we are not to be worried. So anyway, I a long answer. Always a long answer to a short question, but anyway, <laughs> appreciate the answer. I appreciate the question. Yeah. Caleb, let's give you a chance to ask a question before we go. All right. So I was wondering if you could kind of break down the timeline in Second Samuel just a little bit. Mm-hmm. In the second half of chapter 5, it's talking about David defeating the Philistines. And then just a couple chapters later in chapter 8, right at the start, um, it says, after this, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. Mm. So it kind of seems like it is like repeating itself, but the order of everything I found to be a little confusing. Yeah, and, and I'm going to take your question and and add a question to it that we're actually is in next week's reading, but uh, but you should have already read it if you're uh, there. And that's that's when um, um, Absalom um, leaves and comes uh, kills his brother and and then is forced out and comes back. Um, in some versions, uh, King James version included, it would say it says that 40 years later, um, that he comes back or whatever, and it's like, well, Absalom's not even 40 years old, and it and it's like, so what all has transpired? And it throws the and and things like that will throw the timeline off. The, the and some people say, well, I think it was a clerical error that in that it should have been four years later instead of 40 years because the words are pretty close and and i tend to agree with that that it should be four years instead of 40 but people who really like to stick with the especially king james version uh will say obviously that can't be wrong uh so it has to be 40 and they'll say well he's talking about before the david's you know when david was anointed and so it's 40 years from the time david was anointed um the timeline is difficult because we we know this. We know David, when he was put in as king in Hebron, he was there for seven and a, and a half years. And then uh, then he was made king over all Judah and then did that for 33 years. And so his kingdom total was 40 years. So we know that. We know he was probably 30 when he became king. And so he was probably died when he was 70. Um, that's it. When he, how old he was when he defeated Goliath? We don't know. There's no time given for that. He was mad. He went and stayed amongst the Philistines and so forth. But what you're talking about uh, is more of um, more of just um, a reminder that this uh, they, those were two separate things. The defeating of the Philistines never actually fully happened. It was an ongoing enemy of Israel, and uh, and so when he subdued people, it was more like he defeated them to a point where he was. Um, where he was uh, bringing them into submission. But here's something interesting, because he because they defeated the Philist Philistines at the beginning of when David was when he slew Goliath, um, and that was um, it's kind of like uh, you know when they said uh, David has killed uh, Saul has killed his um, thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands and Saul got all jealous and everything. It was actually all part of that same battle encounter, and, th- and the reason was is because when you would go as a king to fight against, and this it's a big deal. You would get all your uh, soldiers together. 
I mean, you're, you're talking about amassing your, your soldiers and then going out to battle, and then you would set up camp, and you're there for a very long time of setting up camp. So he was there for a very long time. David had already been anointed by Samuel uh, to be king, uh, and, then, uh, and then as kind of a side gig, uh, he was playing music to kind of calm Saul down. Uh, Saul would have these fits of temper. If they found David to play music for him. And so he's doing that. And then he'd go back and take care of the sheep some. And then he'd go back. And so he was in this kind of interim thing, which is kind of weird because when he kills Goliath, Saul kind of acts like, I don't know who he is. But he did already know him. But he didn't know him, know him. I guess he get he's like, whose son is he? And all these different things. But um, uh, so David... Um, uh, there's a lot of things that you kind of have to read this, realize we're we're bouncing back and forth in the story. Um, but it did start with him being anointed. Um, he came and the brothers of, of David were the ones that Samuel thought he was going to anoint. But that introduces, kind of introduces David into the story. And and then, and, and, all, and also remember that as this is being written, um, everybody knows that David's the king. And he's a great king, and we're telling his story. And so we're making references to things from the perspective of it's not like they don't know who he's going to become when they're writing about David killing Goliath. They know who he is, and this is a story that's been told a billion times, and so we're just re- writing down details of it and so forth. But uh, so that it kind of it's kind of like if when you already know the ending of a story and you're telling the story, it doesn't read the same yeah. if it's if it's all just being unfolded. So um so yeah, it's so you've got David David, you know, destroy the Philistines. But but kinda how that unfolds is you have so David slays Goliath, um, and um and has this incredible battle and and so this and so David becomes this warrior that's known and then legendary at the very beginning and um and so so Saul makes him a commander and then and sends him out and David is very successful Saul's actually doing it trying to get him killed and David doesn't get killed he keeps winning in fact he sends him out for foreskins and thinking that'll you know if I ask this for the hand of my wife uh, for for the for to make his daughter his wife and David winds up doing twice as much as you know you know and and uh, and showing how valiant he is uh again this is these are stories being told of people who already know who David's going to become. When David defects from Saul and goes to be with the Philistines, something very interesting is taking place that uh, that we just get from archaeology. Um, the reason why the Philistines uh, sometimes we get in our head that you have the nation of Israel as being the strong army and the Philistines as being kind of a smaller army. I don't know if you get that picture in your head or not, but that is completely the opposite. The Philistines are the mighty army, and and part of think of the Iron Age. They have weapons and armor and so forth. They have blacksmiths. If you read in the text, it says that uh, that if you had plowshares and so forth, you needed done. You had to go to the Philistines to get that those plows made because the Israelites didn't have that technology. The Israelites didn't have that technology. If you want to think of it in more contemporary terms, the Philistines are the Americans. And the Israelites are the Native Americans. This is kind of, this is why it's such a big deal. The only suit of armor they had was the king's. That's why he gave his armor to David, because nobody has armor. And that's why he's using a rock and a sling, because they don't have weapons. And so, 
so here's the here's the battle that's taking place uh and 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 so david david is now uh getting more but david is learning the weaponry of the enemy and so and so it's believed that when he went to be the philistines he learned how to make weapons mm. and to uh, armor his soldiers and 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 gain more skills in warfare and so forth believing that he's using it to help them they're giving him basically these secrets mm-hmm. and uh and so when david becomes king he now knows how to fight and so he raises up an army with these newfound skills and so forth and weaponry and so forth and then cleans house because he's not only uh for for multiple reasons now he has new weaponry his new skills but he also has god and a wisdom about him that the philistines don't have and uh, and uses everything and but again all this is ordained by god this is not like this is god making all these he's the one who takes david to be there and to get these skills and 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 help him to grow in this way and so forth and so so yeah so it's a so, but it's a constant uh that's what the, the reference in one chapter is yeah he is he is going to subduing the philistines and then later there's more subduing that has to take place and so forth but um that battle was a continuing battle but it, but when david is established especially in that last chapter that you're referring to that's him really bringing it to a close uh where david is now now he has shown he is this person and and not only subdues them but subdues subdues the syrians all the surrounding countries and now where he's not um um he's not fighting these uh, as a as a as a small army anymore now his army becomes the army of the day and israel is established as a military power uh which solomon then enjoys as well uh so uh that's why when the kingdom splits uh between rehoboam and uh, jeroboam um the other armies around are like now's our time to come back and and bring them back into submission and that really doesn't happen emphatically until um assyria comes in and takes out israel and so then then you have the stories of where the kings of israel are trying to negotiate because you have these empires that are coming and um and uh and again just another little thing uh, it's it's kind of like the philistines would come up and um uh, it well i mean really it's what's happening today if you think of uh the palestinians and the gaza strip and and Israel and and how it's in the West Bank and so forth. You just that territory is so vital on a trade route uh, that uh, it was always changing hands and everybody. It was very strategic because it's right there between two massive continents, and uh, and so empires would you know from Egypt to Persia are trying to figure out who gets this little tiny strip of land has a lot of uh, power and ability because uh, it's also fertile land. Um, so you had all these hills and so forth, and so they're all you're always battling for who's going to be king of the hill, and uh, and so yeah, so that's it's I know not a long answer to a short question, but the but that's that's why you, when you're as you're reading it, it is both are true, um, and and that's that those battles were ongoing, but it's but it's trying to tell you the story of here is David's ascent to power, and that whenever David went to battle, he won. Um, it um you know sometimes i read the bible and i and i and i know it's true and i'm not trying to take away from it all but it sure puts people in a more positive light than you think they deserve <laughs> i mean when when uh david is when you know this was written by david with, like when moses is writing about moses you realize you know moses is writing the book 
he sure makes Moses sound really good uh, <laughs> at different times, and uh, knowing he's writing it. Um, and um, anyway, that's uh, it's like, um, yeah, Paul. Paul is much more humble in the way he describes himself, but uh, uh, but anyway, that's uh, it. Doesn't take away from the fact that the stories are true. It's just uh, you gotta always remember. Um, oh yeah, these are written by people who are loyal to King David and are his servants, and he already is this incredible hero when when the story's being written. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, thanks for the questions. Appreciate it. And uh, and just uh, man, it's been good to be back. We took a few weeks off, uh, so there's kind of a gap. Uh, I don't feel too guilty about it because if you're like, well, when are you going to talk about these passages of the Bible? We already did two years straight. <laughs> So you can go back and li- if you if you're wondering about the gap of reading, uh, you can go back and listen to previous podcasts. You may even hear Caleb uh, back there on a previous podcast <laughs> talking about passages we've already covered. But uh, all that is available on our website. You can go back and listen to old Understanding Jesus podcast. Uh, not all of it is on YouTube, but it is all in our um, on our podcast library um, out there on Apple Podcasts and uh, on Spotify. Um, and so many, and uh, what is it? What's, is it Google Podcast? Is that what, what do they call that? I don't know. Anyway, it's out there. Google. I, I don't. I don't use it, but they have one. It's out there. You can <laughs> listen. You can find it. Um, but uh, anyway, more podcasts than any human being should be allowed to listen to. But uh, anyway, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for Jake and Caleb uh, being here, and uh, we got more amazing stuff uh, next week as we continue to learn more about i'm trying to find a way to wrap this up learn more about god's word as we are understanding jesus